Texas, can a company take the reduced retailer and wholesaler tax rate if it only leases equipment? That is the question for this week's episode of the State Tax Show. I'm Matt Hunsaker. I'm going to go back to back this week on Texas tax cases. And so my deep apologies to those of you who don't have a dog in the fight here. But I'll go ahead and try to weave in some concepts that still might be important to you. Today, we are talking about the Xerox case that was recently decided by the Texas Court of Appeals. Before we jump in, though, we need a quick primer on the Texas franchise tax and how it works. It's actually a pretty simple tax. You essentially take your gross federal revenue, and then you get to take one deduction. And that deduction is the greatest of either your cost of goods sold, your compensation, or essentially 30% of your total revenue. The result you get then is your margin which then gets apportioned using a single sales factor, and then you apply the tax rate. And today we're going to be talking about that tax rate. Because the tax base is margin and not federal net income, the rate is not very high. Historically, it's been about 1%, though it's been creeping down now, and the current rate is 0.75%. You may be asking yourself, Well, what about companies that have really low margins? Is that a fair rate? Well, the legislature didn't think so. And so it gave a half percent rate for retailers and wholesalers, which is now 0.375% or still exactly half of the normal rate. For today's discussion, though, I'm going to refer to the two rates as 1% and half a percent because, well, it's easier to say that. And also because those were the rates that were in effect at the time of this case. Because the wholesaler and retailer rate is exactly half of the general rate, it's a pretty big deal to figure out if you're a retailer or wholesaler because they can cut your tax bill in half. The way the statute is laid out, you are able to take that half percent rate if you're primarily engaged in retail and wholesale trade. So what does that mean? Well, the legislature basically says that, and we're going to talk just about wholesale trade here because that was what was at issue in the case, but it refers you to Division F of the 1987 Standard Industrial Classification Manual, or the SIC manual, which for most parts has now been replaced by the NAICS manual. But if you fit within that Division F of the 1987 SIC manual, well, then you're engaged in wholesale trade. And you have to be primarily engaged in wholesale trade, which means that over 50% of your trade has to be from retail and wholesale trade. So with that background, let's now dig in just a little bit on the Xerox case. There were two primary, primary issues. The first one was whether income from financing leases of office equipment qualified as retail and wholesale trade. And then the secondary issue was whether the costs associated with those financing leases 
could qualify for the cost of goods sold, which requires you to have sold the goods. So as you can probably imagine, the court spent a lot of time figuring out what it means to sell something. The controller had argued that for there to be a sale, that there must be a transfer of title. But the court said, well, look, there's no definition of sale in the statute, and there's not a definition of sale in the SIC codes. And so we're just going to go with the ordinary meaning. And the courts before us have always told us that we follow substance over form, and we can't disregard the economic realities of the transaction. And so what was interesting is the court, in trying to figure out what that ordinary meaning of selling was, spent a lot of time focusing on FAS 13, which, you know, a lot of you are accountants, so I'm probably uh, out over my skis here, but essentially determines whether leasing income should be treated as sales income. And it wasn't clear if the court was using this as a standard or simply as a guide to determine the common meaning. So the court took a long look at FAS 13 and took a look at the taxpayers' leases, and it concluded that some of those leases, which were financing leases or leases where essentially the lease is going to cover the useful life of the equipment, so it's more like financing rather than a pure lease, it concluded that those under FAS 13 were essentially sales of the equipment and that they should be treated as selling the equipment for purposes of deciding whether they are engaged in wholesale or resale trade. And so having found that the taxpayer was, in fact, selling the equipment under these, quote, sales-type leases, they were then able to take the half percent rate for wholesale and retail trade. So the taxpayer won on the wholesaler issue, but what about cost of goods sold? Again, the controller argued that because the taxpayer was leasing and not selling the equipment, it was not entitled to a cost of goods sold deduction because those costs didn't relate to the sale of goods. So again, we are squarely back in the issue of whether the equipment leased under a financing lease was sold. And we're right back with the same arguments by the controller that the sale requires a transfer of title. Well, the court agreed that it requires a transfer. The Supreme Court has said as much but it did not agree that it required a transfer of title. But there's one quirk that the court had to deal with. You see, the legislature inserted a provision in the tax code that says that certain types of leasing companies can take a cost of goods sold deduction for the stuff they lease. So the controller argued, well, if the legislature had to insert this saving provision for these leasing industries, then they obviously thought that lessors couldn't take the cost of goods sold deduction for leasing costs. Well, the court saw it otherwise and said that the express blessing of these other lessors does not really mean anything for the financing type leases. And after quickly disposing of that argument, it then went through essentially the same analysis to determine that the taxpayer was selling the equipment that it was leasing under these financing or sales type leases. One interesting argument, and I'll finish with this, is that the controller argued that the cost of goods sold deduction is an exemption and should be strictly construed against the taxpayer. 
And that's a common concept when you're in the world of sales tax where something's exempt. Well, then that exemption is strictly construed against the taxpayer. But the court held that the deduction for cost of goods sold is not an exemption and that that concept doesn't apply. And so you don't have to strictly construe the cost of goods sold provisions against taxpayers. And the controller also had raised that as well, I should mention, on the half percent rate. The controller argued that that was also an exemption. And again, the court said, no, that is just simply a rate, not an exemption. And therefore, we're not going to strictly construe the rules around whether you get the 1% rate or the half percent rate against a taxpayer. So there you have it. If you've been taking the general franchise tax rate and are in the leasing world, well, it might be time to take a fresh look at whether you might possibly have some refund opportunities out there. I'll be back next week with part three of the software series. That is, unless something earth shattering happens in the meantime. Until then, have yourselves a great week. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.